0: Different people have different sleep patterns. Some people are very deep sleepers. Once they've gone to sleep, a freight train could run through their bedroom and it wouldn't wake them up. Other folks, if a feather falls in their room, they're up looking, trying to figure out what happened. I'm a little bit in between some of those. I usually sleep fairly well, but there are some things that will wake me up at night, uh, sometimes not all the way. My college roommate told me that our phone rang one night there in our dorm room and that I answered it. I had a complete conversation and uh, then I hung up the phone. But when we were talking about it in the morning, I had absolutely no recollection of any of it. I didn't remember the phone ringing. I didn't remember talking to anybody. I had no idea who it was that called or what we talked about. So if you called me at 3 a.m. in 1979, you need to call me back because I have no idea what we talked about. (laughs) One thing I do know is the older I get, the more I like sleep. I remember growing up, I used to complain about my mom making me take a nap in the afternoon. No more. I think we ought to have a national law to have a nap every afternoon. I think that would do away with a lot of the meanness in life. At least everybody wouldn't be so cranky. Jesus uses this very familiar image of sleep. We all understand what that is. We know what sleep is. Jesus uses that to describe his victory over our most fearsome foe in life. Last week we looked at the miracle that is in the middle of the miracle we're going to look at this morning. We looked at how Jesus helped a woman that no one else could help. This morning, we're going to be in that very same passage here in Mark chapter 5, but we're going to look at the miracle surrounding uh, that miracle. As Jesus finds out a young girl has died, and when receiving that information, he gives this astounding response. It's found in Mark chapter 5, verse 39. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead But asleep. What Jesus meant when he made this profound statement has amazing, tremendous meaning for us today. We serve the God who has defeated death. Now, how could it be that Jesus would walk into a home where a family had suffered this most? horrific tragedy. This young daughter has died. How could he walk into that household where people are grieving and compare that situation to taking an afternoon nap? Let's back up and remember the story up to this point. You'll remember Jesus has just returned uh, to the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, This was right after he had delivered a man from a legion of demons. Word traveled quickly, so by the time he's gotten to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, a crowd has gathered ready to see what he's going to do next. And in the midst of that crowd, there was a man by the name of Jairus, a religious leader, an established person, a man of great importance in the community, but he cared nothing about any of that this day. On this day, one thing was on his mind. His daughter was dying. And he had heard that Jesus might be able to help her. And so he comes to Jesus and asks Jesus to come to his home to take care of his daughter. He doesn't care that this is going to be very looked down upon by his fellow religious leaders. By this time in Jesus' ministry, the religious leaders were already looking for a way to get rid of him. They thought he was a troublemaker. They wanted to find a way to put Jesus away. He didn't care about that. He didn't care that this was probably going to destroy his career. All he cared about in this moment was that Jesus could help his daughter. He was willing to give up anything for that. Pick up the story in verse 22 of Mark chapter 5. Then one of the synagogue rulers named Jairus came there. Seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. What happens next must have been very difficult for this man to watch. As Jesus hurried towards his home and as the crowd jostled and tried to get there quickly too so they could have a good spot to watch what was about to happen. In the midst of that chaos, and we looked at this last week, there's a woman who fights her way through the crowd and and touches the hem of Jesus' garment and is immediately healed of her affliction and Jesus stopped. And you can just imagine what's going through the head of Jairus. He's thinking, Jesus, why are you stopping? My daughter is dying. We've got to get to my home before it's too late. And then Jesus has the conversation with the woman that we looked at last week. And you can just imagine Jairus thinking, okay, this woman was sick. You could have helped her later. She's not dying. She needs your help. But but she could have Waited until after you helped my daughter. This delay could have disastrous results. And then the message comes that that's exactly what's happened. The message comes that Jairus' daughter has died. They go on to the home and discover that indeed that news is true. In the custom of the New Testament day, a a wealthy family like Jairus' family was, would hire professional mourners. It was a custom of that time period for these professionals to stand outside the home and to wail and to weep and to announce the mourning of this family. And that was happening as Jesus arrives, these professional folks who were really good at raising a ruckus were out there crying and grieving over the death of his child. And it was to these mourners that Jesus says, why all this commotion and wailing? The child's not dead, but asleep. And then verse 40 records their reaction. They laughed at Jesus. They were professionals. They did this all the time. They knew what a dead person looked like. And this girl fit the bill. They understood death. What they didn't understand was who Jesus is. This was the one who calls death sleep. I once heard a pastor at a funeral describing how two parents said, had gone through the agonizing conversation with their daughter about their daughter's illness. She was afflicted with a disease that was incurable. The doctors had informed the parents that there was nothing that could be done. So the parents were trying to communicate that news to this young child as, as best they could. And in the course of that conversation, the little girl looked up at her daddy and said, What is it like to die? And the mom and the dad stumbled with words to say until finally the father put it this way. He said, honey, you know sometimes how when you're, you're watching TV you fall asleep? And your mommy and daddy will pick you up and we'll carry you up to your bedroom and put you in your bed and tuck you in. And, and you wake up the next morning and you're in your bedroom. Said to her, that's kind of what death is when you know Jesus as your Savior. You fall asleep here, but you wake up there in His presence. Explaining with words a child could understand, this dad gave wisdom that all can take to heart. The mourners at Jairus' house, they saw death as the end. They saw absolutely no hope in that situation. This family would never see their precious young daughter again. But that's not how Jesus thought. He knew that death was not the end. He describes the girl as sleeping, not because she's not physically dead. She was. But because of what he knew came next. He knew she was going to wake up. We can have that same confidence, that same assurance, even in the face of death itself. God understands our grief when someone we love dies. Don't make any mistake here. He cries with us, just like he wept with the family of Lazarus on the day of Lazarus' death. Another individual that he referred to as sleeping. He understands our fear of death. He understands that for us, in our mortality, we don't know exactly what death is. We ask the same question that this little girl asked of her parents. What is it like to die? It's a great unknown for us. It's one of the reasons why he walked into the bedroom of the daughter of Jairus and gave a command that at the same time was both powerful and tender. The Bible records it in the original language, the two words, Talitha Kum. The Scripture records Jesus' words in Aramaic. That was the common spoken language of the day. Things were typically written in Greek, but when you were speaking, they typically in that time period would use the Aramaic language. And, And the Scripture records exactly the words that Jesus spoke in that moment, perhaps because the Gospel writers were so profoundly affected by what happened that day, they wanted to record it exactly as it happened. Here's how the Bible describes it in verse 41. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha Kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and walked around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. I'm guessing that word astonished only begins to describe how those people felt in that household. That day. The mourners who'd been laughing at Jesus, they weren't laughing anymore. This father who had risked everything for his daughter, he wasn't grieving anymore. Jesus' disciples had yet one more piece of evidence that this man they followed was more than just a teacher, he was more than just a prophet. This man who conquered illness, conquered demons, conquered even death itself. He was no one less than the Son of God. Jesus, so characteristically of the ways that he handles situations like this, he, he takes care of the needs that were there. In verse 43, he gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this. And then he told them to give her something to eat. I love this about the Lord. He's not just concerned about the big grand things of life. He certainly is. But but he's also very aware of those things that are seemingly insignificant. When this little girl was standing there walking around the room, Jesus realized she hadn't eaten in several days. And so he says, give her something to eat. Now, his command not to let anybody know what had happened may seem a little bit strange until you think about it. It wasn't that Jesus didn't want others to know about what had occurred or to know who he was. After all, he put it in the Bible (laughs) where everyone... Can know what happened. But he realized in that context, in that situation, if this kind of news got out, the crowds would be so large that he would not be able to accomplish the ministry he had come to do. You see, Jesus didn't just come to heal little sick children. He came to heal us all. It's like a kid who goes into a school cafeteria, gets his lunch, and then goes back outside and tells all his friends, Okay, you guys can go home. They're done. They fixed their one meal for the day. Gave it to me. It's all over. (laughs) He's liable to get stampeded. School cafeteria is not just there to feed one student. It's there to feed everybody. Jesus didn't just come for his twelve disciples. He didn't just come to heal those that He healed during His earthly ministry. As amazing as His miracles were, they were only setting the stage for the real reason Jesus came. He didn't just come to raise one little girl. He came to raise us all. He came to give us everlasting life. The miracles are simply road signs pointing the way, directing us straight to Jesus. As we recognize that He is our only hope, we'll be like Jairus. We'll set aside social convention. We'll set aside whatever worldly loss we might suffer and realize who He is. That He and He alone is Lord. Heavenly Father, help us. As we look at these miracles, we're amazed at Your power. We're astounded that You are able to defeat even death itself. But God, as amazing as even this miracle is, it only scratches the surface. Of who you really are. God help us see that this morning. Help us to see that you are Lord of all. Help us Heavenly Father we pray in Jesus name. Amen.